Wassalamu ala Rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa man wala. Welcome everybody to the Safina Society, nothing but facts live stream, where we are entering into Sha'ban and we're uh, beginning another week. Let's take a look at our calendar. Uh, it is the 6th of Sha'ban. So that means Laylat al Nisrim in Sha'ban is really right around the corner. It's going to be not this week, but the next week. And according to that, it will be Tuesday. So Monday night would be later to Nisim and Shaban, if I'm not mistaken. Or is it Tuesday night? Yeah. The, uh, Hijama said yes. We're, okay, good. We're doing Hijama here. So let's put the word out. Yeah. And let's, uh, we'll let him know by, give us 24 hours. We'll find out. We're doing Hijama. Once a year is the advice to give to do Hijama. Okay. Once a year. That's good. Keep up a sunnah. Okay. Today we're going to read, uh, as you can see, we're not in the studio today. We're, we're in the masjid. And what we're going to do is we're going to read a little bit of aqidah. Uh, all our books on shema'il are, are at the studio. So we're going to read a little bit today uh, on matter, matters of aqidah from As-Sabunis Al-Bidaya Fi Usul al-Din. Of course, there's two Sabunis. There's the original one. Or the one known for his Aqidah book, and then there's the Mufassir, uh, who's, who came later, of course, and he recently passed away. May Allah give him mercy and enter him Jannah. So when something that is logically possible comes to us through transmission, we must believe in it. Logically possible means the words do not contradict themselves. That's the meaning. Logically possible does not mean that you, ha- you can imagine it or you can possibly um, uh, fathom it or you've seen something similar to that happen. None of that is important. Right? What's important when we say logically possible, we mean by that the words themselves do not contradict. Okay? That's the meaning of maqul or... Uh, Okay, so for example, a square triangle, because you just said two opposite things, right? But something such as a the the burak, it's possible. There's nothing illogical about that. Just because you haven't seen it does not mean it's illogical. Just because nobody's seen it does not mean it's illogical. Okay. So those things are based on transmission. If the transmission's good, then we accept it. So he says, There is questioning in the grave. Okay. Um, the Mu'tazila disbelieved in that, but we say, It's so hard to remember a verse right in the middle of the verse. The Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Fir'aun, will be subjected, him and his people, to punishment morning and evening. Then they will be resurrected. That's the proof. Okay? Fir'aun and his people will be subjected to punishment morning and evening. Then they will be resurrected. That means before resurrection, there is punishment in the grave. Or there's pleasure in the grave too. It's not just punishment in the grave. So Muslims have something to look forward to, to act properly, do ibadat, avoid maharim, and isn't that what we're just doing here? 
do that until I'm telling you, you know, one of the hardest tests is if the dunya opens up for a person. That is a really hard test. It's easy when you, when you have a small playground, right? And your life is small. Your life is like literally three things that you do in your life. It's actually, it's easy. The hardship of imagining, oh, what would that, what would that billionaire life be like? That's a, that is something that maybe people, they struggle that they're, they maybe have not a little bit. They don't, they're have nots in some way. It's far harder when the doors open up and you have to discipline yourself now. That's really hard. Okay, that's much. That's why, why are many pe- more people poor than rich? Allah has made more people poor than rich. That's rahmah. Or most people are in the middle. Very few are very poor and very few are very rich. That middle is the rahmah. Right? It's easier to handle that, that test. So there's sweetness in the grave too. There's pleasure in the grave. There are there's people in the grave. There are uh, a whole world. So we have something to look forward to right away. He, he says that, حَقٌ ثَابِتٌ عِنْدَنَا خِلَافًا لِلْمُعْتَزِلَةِ We differ from the Mu'tazila okay, for that reason, on, the, on this subject. Why? Because they did not see a, an explicit mention of عَذَاب الْقَبْرِ in the Qur'an. And the, ah- the ahadith that they took from them, they did not build the aqidah upon it. Okay? Make istighfar for your brother because he's now being questioned in the grave. Stay clean. Make sure you're, you have no urine upon you because it attracts hardships in the grave. Okay. That's something that you can't imagine, but that's how it is. Simple. That's how it is. Um, if you were to put urine in your eye, you would suffer, right? So likewise, in the grave, there is a connection between things in this life which don't really need to make sense. But that's how it is. This is how the creation is. So likewise, someone who was lenient on urine in his, in his life, he suffers in his grave for that. وَكَذَا بَعْثُ الْأَجْسَادِ وَإِحْيَاؤُهَا يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ حَقٌ ثَابِتٌ Likewise, the resurrection of bodies and it, them being, re, being given life again. Okay. It is a, a fact. It is a truth. حَقٌ ثَابِتٌ Is it a firmed reality? Okay. Based on transmission. This is all transmitted beliefs. وَأَنْكَرَتْهُ الدَّهْرِيَّةُ أَصْلًا So the dahriya are people who basically say we're just subjects to time. Time is the only thing that has control and we only live in this life and that's it. That also is a faith, it's a belief. Okay? You're, you, you don't know anything about it. You never met anyone who died and came back. In fact, through the Adam al-Ru'ya, we do constantly have experiences with people who die and we can know here in this world that they're still living a life. Al-Abbas himself was wondering about what happened to his brother, Abu Lahab. They came on the mas'al of the Prophet. One went one way, one went the exact opposite way. 
So he was wondering, well, what happened? Abu Lahab came back and said, I'm being punished. In the worst amount punishment you can imagine. Except every Monday I'm given a small drip, uh, sip of water between my two fingers. Because I was happy when the Prophet was born. It's like the only good thing that he did. وَزَعَمَ بَعْضُ الْفَلَاسِفَةِ أَنَّ الْحَشْرَ لِلْأَرْوَاحِ دُونَ الْأَجْسَادِ Some of the philosophers said, Ibn Sina and those others, okay, and by the way, when we were in NYU, someone said, no, there's ikhtilaf on Ibn Sina's final position on that. We'll see about that. It's a trap. <laughs> from, 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 from my default, is going to still go on what Ghazali said. He knows how to quote people. And when he's quoting a... Uh, when he's responding to these, these people, he's responding, he's not going to be sloppy in who he's responding to, right? Uh, see, Al-Ghazali wrote books. When you write the book, that book is going to stay there for a long time and people want to see it. Uh, in our, uh, people are going to read it and assess it. In our world, though, uh, oftentimes, if you're not in the book world, you're in the personal world, right? Gentlemen, assalamu alaikum. Um, when you're in the... Uh, in this world, you, you really only care, you only have a few seconds to communicate with people, right? So, it's a bit different. Uh, Al-Ghazali was able to be long-winded in his, his, his treatment of these things. Like, we can't, we don't have that, you can't afford to do that now. People are suffering from fitan now, in their minds right now, and they need to be given a nugget of truth. That's how truth is these days, nuggets, literally. It's just nuggets, that's what people can handle. Oh, you do? Yeah, maybe tomorrow. Since we already started this. Okay. So the body, uh, uh, our tenant here, why would they believe that the soul can go into another world, but not the body? Right? Your body's constantly changing in this world. So you, when you were five years old, and you at the age of, let's say, 45 or 55, do you have any of the same cells? I don't think so. Like, everything's altered now, right? Your skin, at least. At least your skin. You've, you regenerated so many times, okay? Dead skin fell off, and new skin came about. It was created for you. So your skin, your, that organ, I bet you, I'm assuming now it's completely different. There's not a single cell of your skin when you were five that exists when you're 75. It's all regenerated. So we're already witnessing it here. Like, why can't we witness it there? Okay. They made that mistake of, uh, we call it semi-ayat for a reason. Yeah. We're not using our here. Exactly. These are called semi-ayat because you don't use your, your judgment, your assessment of what you've seen in life. I mean, Habib Omar just had a talk on this recently. He said, you rendered the truth to be what you, you've seen in life. That's ridiculous. Even if we said, no, all of humanity has never seen, let's say, um, something like uh, a horse that can fly. All of humanity, nobody's ever seen that. Well, what is all of humanity? How much data is that? How much experience is that? Look at the whole universe, what it looks like. The ocean, look how deep it is. Right? So even all of humanity has never seen a horse that could fly. That's actually not that much. That's not even that convincing. It's not damning. And logically, it means nothing. 
وهو ممكن وقد قال الله تعالى وأن الله يبعث من في القبور Allah resurrects those who are in the graves وكذا قال في جواب من يقول من يحيي العظام وهي رميم who will give life to the bones when they're dead or when they're dust قل يحييها الذي أنشأها أول مرة say the one who created them the first time will give them life وكذا قراءة الكتب في القيامة حق there will be scrolls with all of our deeds written in them. وَنُخْرِجُ لَهُ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ كِتَابًا يَلْقَاهُ مَنْشُورًا Surah Al-Isra. And we will bring out a person, uh, uh, a book for them. نُخْرِجُ لَهُ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ كِتَابًا يَلْقَاهُ مَنْشُورًا You will meet, you will see your score and receive it spread out. وَيُعْطَى كِتَابُ الْمُؤْمِنِينَ بِأَيْمَانِهِمْ وَكِتَابُ الْكَافِرِينَ بِشَمَائِلِهِمْ you're going to be given the scroll and if you're given to you to your right hand that's a good sign okay if it's given to you in your left hand that's a bad sign or behind your back it's a bad sign just like um, thumbs up and thumbs down is a symbol that meant Caesar wants you to live or to die okay uh, and I think the middle was like, he hasn't decided yet. You got to keep fighting. And then that's how Thumbs Up came about by the Caesars. When they watched the, the games, they would do that. So symbols, they mean something. So you're going to know right away by how you're given your book. Likewise, the mizan, it's a scale of deeds. The weighing of your deeds. It's truth. And so he says here that the scales are a reality and it is the scale is something by which the value of deeds will be known. Yet the intellect is unable to grasp how the scale will look. Because how do you put deeds on it? Will the deeds take forms? Will the deed take the form of coins, for example? We have no clue. But everything has a, ver- a value and a worth. So there's a big difference between philosophy and law. I take, for example, if I said, what is the value of life? What is the worth of life? In philosophy, you have no answer to this question. You just keep going and keep talking. And you say you cannot put a value to life. But there is a worth to life. That's the difference between a value and a worth. The value of something is in your heart. So, I mean, this miswak, if it was like your, your dad died holding the miswak, right? This would be, have great value. But its worth is nothing, right? Its worth is like $2, $1. Less than that. Used miswak, negative, right? <laughs> negative money. You pay me to, to take it from you. But the, so that's the value. The worth of something, everything in law must have a worth. Okay, so even bodies have a worth. And that's why in the Sharia, that's one of the things from the Prophet to establish the legal code for this ummah going forward, for people. There's certain things he had to, to specifically do, and that is the worth of the human body. And that is, uh, um, it was 100 camels or, what is it, 1,000 gold coins, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Could you look it up real quick, Ryan? Uh, this, the city people use coins, of course. 
Yep, it translates at this point in time, in the price of gold now. It's a thousand. It's a thousand either gold coins or. Yeah, it's either a thousand gold coins or hundred gold coins. I can't it's remember. A thousand, it's, a thousand. it's a thousand gold coins, right? Yeah. So for the city folk, a thousand gold coins, and the gold coin of the Prophet wasallam, which was two point four five grams, I believe. The single coin was like that. So it ended up being something like $250,000, right? Fluctuating, of course, over time. There should be, someone should create an app. Like a, uh, uh, this is a good coding exercise, dia.com, right? Where it, go, it's, it, it seeks the current information on the price of gold, multiplies it by the grams that we said, right? And that's your dia. It's a very simple line of code, right? That'll give you, it'll, you just go to dia.com and says, at this moment in time, if you were to be killed, this is the value of your body. The va- it is not the value of life. It's the value of your body. So if you were to lose one eye, one eye equals 50% of the whole body. You blind somebody, it's as if you killed him. You owe him a full dia, right? And then they keep going on and on. What is a tooth? It is 5% of a body, right? So on and so forth. And you continue doing that so uh, every single body part has a value that's the body part not the life life has no value but the worth of a body yes we can put a numerical number on that and law puts numbers there is an answer who did better in life there is an answer who did better deeds there is an answer to that and that's what the scales is all about so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created a, mechan- a means that, uh, that will weigh these deeds. And that's what the scale is. Okay? So we have to separate between the emotional value of things, which we say, no, no, we're all equal, we all love each other. Yes. But when we come on the Day of Judgment, the deeds we did are not the same. Someone did better than someone else. Right? It's going to be extremely rare to find a, per- a perfect tie between people perfect equality of deeds so someone did better than someone else so then how is this paradise because now I'm going to feel bad well Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says he removed envy from the hearts there, are, there is no envy they will look at each other and love one another they will look at how high you are and praise them and love him for that okay? and he will look at where you are and come and visit you you can't visit him you'd be burned you, you, like you can't physically you couldn't take a person and put him on the moon, right? He'd die on the spot. Not enough oxygen. So likewise, you can't go from one heaven to the next. But he can go from the higher heavens down and visit without any condem- condem- uh, condescension. There's no condescending looks. There's no, there's no, none of that is in the hearts. What about people who didn't like each other? Uh, they, they will have a painful uh, correction of that. When Allah says, وَنَزَعْنَا مَا فِي صُدُورِهِمْ مِنْ and naz'ah is not good. So there, the, to, to remove, it's a bad thing in your heart. You hate another mu'min. That's not good. But Allah has approved of both of them. They're both going to pen, Jannah. So that hatred has to come out of your heart. And Allah Ta'ala will, ha, will yank it out of the heart. That yanking is not going to be pleasant. You're going to regret ever hating somebody when that hatred is yanked out of your heart. How is it yanked out of your heart? Is it given a physical reality and an angel comes and yanks it out of your heart? Allah knows best. It doesn't make a difference. This is where we can say we don't know the kaif, the modality or the how. Okay? But they will regret ever hating another mu'min. Right? 
they will regret that. Next he says, who's here? Tafaddal. وَالْعَقْلُ قَاسِرٌ عَنْ بُلُوغِ مَعْرِفَةِ كَيْفِيَّتِهِ وَلَا يُقَاسُ عَلَى الْمَوَازِينِ الدُّنْيَوِيَّةِ It should not be given an analogy with the worldly scales of having you know, one side and another and a bar up the middle. No. There's, that's not what it is. فَالتَّسْلِيمُ فِيهِ أَسْلَمْ And just to say Allahu A'lam and submit to it is better. It's safer. وَكَذَا الصِّرَاطُ حَقٌّ well, after you get your scales and then you have the receipt of your, your deeds, you have to pass by a scale, a, a sirat, a bridge. Okay? It is a, a bridge stretched over the top of Jahannam. Okay? The inferno, as he translates it here, give us that Latin Dante ish feel. Okay? Uh, hellfire. They call it the inferno. Wanted that sophisticated California translation? That's what you got. <laughs> huh? He just did the forward. He didn't do the whole translation. Okay. All of the people shall pass by it. All creatures shall pass over it. If you are guaranteed, if you are a person of paradise, you will pass over. If not, you will fall in. But most importantly to know is that in the, when I was taught this, the speed by which you pass over the bridge is the speed by which you fled from sins. Who flees from sins in this dunya, he goes quickly. Why? Because there's other hadith. There's some Muslims, mu'min, salih, righteous. He gets a spark, hits his heel. Another one doesn't have a light. He can't see. He has to go very slowly. Another one, He's crawling. Another one, a hook comes up and latches onto him and he's stuck. Who are these? These are the righteous Muslims, except they flirted with sins and they fell into some sins. Just as a result of that, that, re that flirtation, it manifests on the sirat. SubhanAllah. It's a game seven. This is one, this is one game seven. And if you have a game seven, see, that's what we know in life. We know sports. That's what we know. That's the conflict we know. That's the intensity and the pressure that we know. If you ever played in a championship game, Omar Abbas, you ever played in a championship game? You don't mess around. When you play in the championship, you do not mess. It's not about being cute. You do not care about being cute. You do not care about pleasing anyone, right? All your teammates, it's, this is all, everything that happened in the past is gone on the championship game. Like you hated each other, you don't like, it's done. You are together, you're a team. There is no comfort. Now, if there is a loose puck, you're going for it, not just for yourself, for your team. It doesn't matter how much this is going to hurt. You're going for it. Colossus, this is the last game of the season. It doesn't matter if I get hurt, right? I just like that. That's it. No talking, no messing around, no goofing, right? Uh, that's it. All of Haya, this Haya to Dunya, that's how we view it. This is one final game seven. Walking over bridges. No. <laughs> that's why um, 
if when you have that perspective, it actually removes all your, you don't fear about being a have not. You don't get distracted by being a have. Honestly, I'm telling you, being a have is a far greater distraction than being a have not. It's so easy. If you're, it's like you go to a party and everyone's got it all and you don't, right? It hurts, right? But you can easily wash it away. Allah says, this is hayatul dunya, right? It's a blink of an eye. We'll all be dead in 100 years. Prophet said on many occasions, he said, everyone in this masjid, none of us will be alive in 100 years. He's removing any of that feeling like of, of deficiency of dunya. So that's actually easier than being somebody who has a number in the bank account that he doesn't even count. There's more money coming in than he could possibly spend. This is a massive, it's harder for people to handle. It's probably why the Sahaba gave it away. The Sahaba became very wealthy. Like uh, Sayyidina Zubayr ibn Awam, his earnings from the Battle of Persia was a, a plot of land. That plot of land was valued at 700,000 gold coins. He, so he sold it. He was like, what am I do with this plot of land? I'm not, I don't live in Persia. He sold it. And he came home. And his wife came home and saw him. Or his wife saw him when he was home. And he had a depressed look on his face. And she said, what happened? Someone bothered you? The family? What is it? He said, go look in the other room. She went and looked in the other room. She was as righteous as he was. She said, okay. Now I understand. She went in. She saw gold, 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 gold. Amounts of gold. We can't even fathom this. They couldn't fathom it. All of Quraysh didn't own this money. And he's one person on one sale owns it. That's how Allah wants to give you money. He's going to give you money. It doesn't make a difference, right? Where you started. It doesn't make a difference what you have. What does Sayyidina Zubayr ibn Awam have that he earned that amount of money? He's a warrior, right? And he didn't go do it for that either. So she said... I think your heart will only be, be made calm uh, if you distribute it. So let's invite the family. Let's invite, first let's invite the family, then the neighbors, then the next neighbor. The, the entire town that he was living in took some money. And then you wonder why people loved Islam, right? These people, no claims. Ah, uh, we believe in Allah. No, actions. When you see that action, and the whole town sees the action, they know Islam is haq. This iman that he has in akhirah is haq. Because he acted upon it. No human being will give out money just like this. He knows he does not want to be questioned for this money. He knows the fitna of money. And he just gave it away. So, Sahaba, that was their, that was their dawah. If you want to see dawah, that's dawah. If a group of people came, conquered our territory right now. Country you know, X, Y, Z, comes and conquers the United States. And their members are living all around us, okay? And they get a knock on the door, hey, we got some extra money, just take it. Are you going to be angry with them? You know, the anger, the natural anger of being conquered, right? That natural feeling is gone the moment you benefit. It's gone completely, right? The moment that you benefit. And that's why the, the, the lands that the Sahaba conquered have never left Islam. They loved Islam, right? Because it transmitted like that. He then says, وَالْجَنَّةُ وَالنَّارُ مَخْلُوقَتَانِ الْيَوْمَ عِنْدَنَا Paradise and the fire now exist. 
they exist now. Contrary to what the Mu'tazila says, khilafan lil Mu'tazila. لقوله تعالى للجنة أعدت للمتقين والنار أعدت للكافرين ولا فناء لهما أعدت they have already been prepared for the believers and prepared for the disbelievers okay ولا فناء لهما there is no death there is no perishing there is no end for Jannah Jahannam nor their people okay خلافا للجهمية all right, the Jahmiyyah, what did they said? All right, they said that they do perish. Well, how boring is that? All right, what? Yeah, then what? What happens with the creation? Just empty space? No programming on the TV? Subhanallah. <laughs> because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says about both, خَالِدِينَ فِيهَا أَبَدًا this is okay, where one word ends in an alif, the next word ends begins with a hamza, four beats. Munfasil or muttasil. Munfasil is the ending of one word. Fiha Four. You have to hold it for four counts. If it was one word, such as um for example, Kha'ifin. Vowel followed by Hamza, four beats. In the word, two different words doesn't make it. Same concept. Always just, this is a very simple rule of Tajweed. If you ever see a vowel followed by a Hamza, hold it for four beats. Okay. And usually they help you by putting a squiggly tilde, like an eyebrow, on top of that. Okay. Or what Spanish they call a tilde, on top of that vowel, if it's followed by a hamza. It's a very simple rule of tajweed. وَكَذَا مَا أَخْبَرَ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى بِهِ مِنْ نَعِيمِ أَهْلِ الْجَنَّةِ مِنَ الْحُورِ وَالْقُسُورِ وَالْأَثْمَارِ وَالْأَنْهَارِ وَالْأَشْجَارِ وَالْأَطْعِمَةِ وَالْأَشْرِبَةِ So likewise, all of the blessings and the pleasures of paradise. Now paradise it's going to be a very different experience for us because what is the greatest satisfaction what is satisfaction for human beings here it's work meaningful work and then getting a good reward working hard then getting a reward right that's life working hard then getting a reward people are they boast on what job they have and they enjoy going to work like people will sacrifice their families and their kids for their careers so Jannah is going to be different. There's no work. There's no effort to be done. And we here feel, you'd feel guilty if you went Friday night and you had a great night. Then Saturday you slept in and you had a great day on Saturday. You went out with your friends on Saturday. And you stayed up late on Saturday and you slept in Sunday. Right? It's like built into us that that's enough. There's a built-in, whether it's physically or by orf, right? Custom, wada, that that's enough Sunday you fix yourself up you read, get yourself ready for the rest of the week so you can be productive for the rest of the week do something useful to humanity for the rest of the week the next week well that's all going there is none of that on you in, in Jannah and that's going to be an adjustment we have to make it's an adjustment we also have built in our life the way we live is that you can't 
be in ghafla for a while. Like after two, two, three hours, you need to pray. You need to do some dhikr, right? After a few hours, you get any prayer. After a few hours, hold on, don't we have to pray, right? It's built into us because we've habituated ourselves. Well, on Yom Al-Qiyamah, or in Jannah, this adjustment, there will be malaika that help us adjust. The people will get up and they will say, okay, what do we have to do? Nothing. You're here just to enjoy yourself. I don't understand. They haven't yet adapted to the concept that this is just pure enjoyment. Your job is to enjoy yourself. And that will have meaning. That will have meaning. We may say, all right, how much fun are we going to have? It has no meaning now. We need some substance. No, that is the meaning in Jannah. To enjoy yourself is the meaning. And that is the, the, the shukr and the appreciation of Allah is to enjoy your, your paradise. Right? Yeah, <laughs> a long list of stuff. A long list of stuff, right? N- not never ending. And when the believers will come up and say, it's time for salah, and the malaika will say, that is no longer obligatory. Halas, right? <laughs> Including the palaces, fruits, rivers, trees, maidens, hur, food, drink, etc. Likewise, for the denizens of the fire they will have the zakum a hellish tree that they will be forced to eat out of boiling water that they will be forced to to, to, to drink shackles chains that will be uh, that will be burning all right all affirmed literal realities literal reality as opposed to the claims of the esotericists and the philosophers ibn sina who interpret above the above contrary to its outward meaning what interpretation like okay why would the creator need to give you a a mental health he can create you a physical health right allegory is only needed when you fit when you do not have the capacity to create like we only tell you stories because i can't create it in front of you the creator does not teach you by some story he teaches you by a reality. He created Moses. He created Jesus. This, however, entails abandoning the outward meaning of text without necessity. This is absolute heresy and kufr. To go away from the outward meaning of things, of the texts, without a reason. وَكَذَا رُؤْيَةُ اللَّهِ تَعَالَ لِلْمُؤْمِنِينَ يَوْمَ الْقِيَامَةِ بِالْأَبْصَارِ حَقٌّ ثَابِتٌ The beatific vision of a God of Allah, the exalted, for the believers on the day of arising, with their very eyes. Okay? How? As Malik says, you have, now have eyes that are fanny, eyes that will fade away and die. Allah will create for you on the day of judgment eyes that are baqi. So you'll be able to see beyond what is merely physical. Because right now in this world, seeing is something, you can only see something physical. If I have an abstract idea of love in my mind, you can't see it. Unless I write it down or I draw it. But on the day of, and we say Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is non-physical. He's not made of matter. So how will we see him? We will see with eyes that are baqi, that which is non-physical. على ما قررنا قبل هذا 
Okay. May Allah Ta'ala grant us all this as well as the constant pleasures of the day of, judge, of, of paradise. And protect us from Adabi Jahim with a betana fid dunya mustaqim and keep us straight steadfast on the straight path in Nahujawadun Karimun Barun Rahim. Verily he is ever generous, kind, gracious, and compassionate. Okay, so that is the end of his section on Samayat, which is a very nice brief section, and there are a lot of books uh, on more, um, more books on Samayat that go into deep details, such as Vazadi's book, Remembrance of Death and Afterlife. Um, there is also um, Ibn Kathir has a book where he collects, and I'm, I read that with the students, signs of the end of time and, like, what are the signs of the end of time? And then after that, everything afterwards. Okay. All right, very great. This is a great publication, very good book. I didn't read the introduction yet, but it's such an important work to have in the English language, and I love this format right here. Very easily uh, readable Arabic next to the English, right? Same page. And the Arabic is very easy to read, too. It's not, um, you know, too small on your eyes. Very nice publication here. All right, tell, talk to me, people. Hmm. The, they're saying about uh, the last Sahabi to enter Jannah will be Abdul Rahman ibn Auf, and the last Prophet to enter Jannah will be Suleiman ibn Auf, or something like that. Allah, I don't know about that. I have to read about that. I didn't really look into that. But that's not our business. We shouldn't say disrespectful things like that. I don't know who said that. If, unless it's, if it's a hadith from the Prophet, then otherwise no one talk about that. Right? Who says that? Is it true that Ghazali uh, says this? Allah, I don't know. It could be. But it seems like, why would we speak about an MBA like that? What about the... This, this must be the last to enter Jannah of the people who will not taste the hellfire. Because we know that some people will taste the hellfire, then enter Jannah. Yeah. I could be wrong, but it just doesn't sound right to me. If, unless the Prophet said it, which I haven't seen such a hadith ever. Uh, we have a uh, Telegram chat. You can join here. and Some people were banned, and they asked me why they were banned. So I don't know why anyone would has uh, what people would do to get banned unless you spam the chat. So if someone spamming the chat, you can suspend them. The admin can suspend them for a week or a, a day or whatever you decide, but then let them back in. I don't even know how to suspend people. So. Yeah, I don't know that you could suspend people. Huh? What's that? I'm banned too. Wait, you're banned too? Yeah, from the whole chat. So you can't access the chat because admin. Admin has banned Omar Abbasi? Why'd you get banned? So uh, we should, if you're going to ban someone, just ban them for like a, a minute or something, unless they're being really disruptive. So, um, this book is called An Introduction to Islamic Theology. 
which is As-Sabunis Al-Bidaya Fi Usul Al-Din. You know, when you see these books, I always wonder, how big is the actual metan, the actual text? Because there's, annot- there's annotations, there's essays, really good stuff. Everyone, please like the stream and be a supporter at patreon.com slash Society. Can I ask for a small dua? It says, Dajis. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you and support you and give you tawfiq in everything that you do. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, give you good health and happiness in marriage in, and, and generosity in wealth. And may Allah bless your parents and your children. Uga Panda, we met him, by the way. I love meeting the people from the stream. I know, I know. We the the, the famous Uga Panda. He's been on the stream since the summer, I think. He's coming live in person. He's a New Yorker. We met him at NYU. It's too easy for him. Yeah. Thirteen bucks to be on the train. So easy. Costs you nothing, and the train's literally right here. Someone pick you up. Uh, the masjid, the studio, and the train station, it's like all equidistant. Okay. Gordo Eats says, extremely based and dean-pilled. <laughs> based. You know, basing that I know is basing a chicken, a turkey. Basing a, basing a turkey, I think it has to do with like putting the marinade on the turkey. That's how I know it. But now the youth are, got something different for us. But what did it start from? Like every metaphor starts from something, right? I guess it means like you're like... The foundation? I see like you're Foundational. Like it's like you're about yourself. Like you're based. Uh, yeah. Okay. So I guess it's saying like you're grounded. Yeah, you're grounded. I guess okay. that's what it means. In a cool way, like you're just like... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, that's how uh, okay, I don't understand this question. SH says, Our master Abu Bakr converted right away when Sayyidina Muhammad received the revelation. How is this praiseworthy and not hasty? The hypocrites said they would not convert hastily like the weak-minded. It wasn't that it was hasty. It was that he, he knew the person for a lifetime. He had known the Prophet ﷺ for over 30 years. What she's asking about is why is Abu Bakr out, is Iman would outweigh the Iman of the whole Ummah, said the Prophet ﷺ, if it was swayed. It's because categorically, he never paused to think about whether or not the Prophet was telling the truth. The reason is, he knew the Prophet ﷺ for 30 years before he received the revelation. So immediately, he knew that this, he, he was not going to tell a lie. So he did not pause and think about the repercussions, etc. He accepted it right away. Gordo Eats, Monopoly Man, says, the scales of deeds is a blessing, especially viewing it from a former Christian perspective. Hard work and sacrificing pleasure pays off. Yeah, because all the Christians say, it doesn't matter what you do, it's about your heart and you accepting Jesus. So therefore, it seems like, well, what's the connection between actions? So how can, the, can a nun and someone who just accepted Jesus be at the same level? Um, I don't know if the Catholics say the same thing, but that's that, you get that vibe that you just accept Jesus. 
right? And then actions and the soul are different. We say, no, your action imp impacts your iman and impacts your hearts. Okay, let's see what else we have here. Shoaib Newton and Nuh Saunders have a video apparently that Maliki Click really likes. No, no, he's on his channel. I saw, I, I saw the exist. Shoaib Newton? Shoaib. Uh, Which Shoaib? The one that was with him here. Yeah. Oh, that, oh, oh, okay, okay. And so Nuh Saunders and his recent video? On, uh, on Maliki Click's video. Yeah. Oh, on Maliki Click's they video. Were on, like, Nice, nice, nice. So check that out. I thought people of the book only knew the signs of prophecy. How would he have known? No, uh, Abu Bakr did not know that the Prophet wasallam, or that Muhammad ibn Abdullah was a prophet. He knew that he was perfectly sane, sound of intellect and honest. And therefore, what comes out of him will be the truth. His perception will be accurate. So you not just have to be honest. You need to, under, you need to be perceptive. An honest person can be fooled. So that's why he knew the sagacity, the intelligence of the Prophet ﷺ. The balanced nature of the Prophet ﷺ. He's not going to be fooled, not going to be duped. There are balanced people and imbalanced people. An imbalanced person comes up to you with a conspiracy theory, right? That has very little evidence and he's all about it for like two weeks. And then he's onto something else. That's the imbalanced, flighty type of personality. He saw that the Prophet's personality was grounded. He was measured. He would not say a word unless it's, it's, it's thought through. So the Prophet, وسلم, uh, having um, exhibited those qualities for 30 years, you're not now going to come as a 40 year old adult and betray those qualities. In fact, they become better. If you were wise in your youth, don't you imagine you're going to be wiser as an adult? So that's, that's what the basis was. True Badur says, the last Sahabi to enter... Oh, that's what we read. So, I, who? MM. All right, let's go to MMM. Is there any salah in Jannah? No, there's no salah in Jannah. There is dhikr, there is, there is shukr of Allah, but there's no ibadah. The ibadah is to enjoy paradise. Like, you, why, do, why do we not need to make salah or dhikr in Jannah? It's because salah is a connection. But when you're connected, why do you need to make salah? Right? Why do you need to write letters and emails to somebody when you're right there? Right? So people I, I, I work with, they say, and I see them all the time, they say, you didn't answer my text. Why would I answer your text when I see you here, right? I'm going to see you. Like, I'm, we're with each other right now, right? So you don't need to communicate. Salah is a connection, sila. You don't need to do that when you're there. Paradise is the abode of Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Dhikr. Why would we need to do dhikr when we are going to have a vision of Allah every week in the lowest jannah and every, at any time they want in the highest jannah? That's how it is. The differences between the Jannats, one of the most important differences between the paradises, is that you will see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in different amounts. 
at the very least, once every Jummah. So why do I need to worry now? Why do I need to make dhikr when I see? So the Sahaba did not do sessions of Salah on the Prophet ﷺ the way we do. What did they do instead? Get up and go visit the Prophet ﷺ. Then they come home feeling perfect. Right? Everything washed away, hearts full of nur. When we do mawalid and majalis salah ala Nabi wasallam, the Sahaba never did this because they would go and actually sit with the Prophet So that's the difference. Same thing, you don't need to do salah and dhikr in Jannah when you see Allah directly. SubhanAllah. There is no fasting in Jannah because there's no shaitan and there's no nafs. There's no charity in Jannah because there's no poor people. There's no hajj in Jannah because there's no sins to, to, to be removed. SR says, I often think it's easier to imagine the chronic misery of life in hell than the eternal bliss of heaven. Abdul Qadr Jailani has a saying. He said, the, the least, he said, Im- imagine the height of pleasure of this world. Just imagine it. He said, that is the least heaven, uh, the least level of paradise. Troubadour says, Alhamdulillah is the last thing we say when we enter Jannah. Waqeel Alhamdulillah Rabbil and our, of course, the praise of Allah will be non-stop in paradise, but it will not be in a formalized salah. It's not necessary. Okay. Dr. Omar al-Ashqar has a great hereafter series, he says, that, yes, he has a book on this which covers a lot. I remember seeing that book and I remember actually owning it. I owned a lot of books, I don't know where they went, which is weird. Yeah, two blessings that never combine themselves. You know, two blessings that never come together. Your, your stuff and kids, <laughs> finding your stuff and having kids at the same time. Once you pass at three, three is the number. Once you pass three, um, where the blame could totally be kicked around, right? Uh, the blessing of three or more kids and the blessing of knowing where my stuff is on a routine basis do not come together. Knowing where the salt is, the remote control is, my socks, right? Uh, anything, just general stuff. You will never know where your stuff is. I still have my socks. Yeah, you still do it? I would tell you that um, I might as well start getting you know recyclable socks because um, it doesn't make a difference. Like sometimes you say, this is it, the 36 pack, right? (laughs) This is it, okay? And you sit everyone down, this is an announcement. You see this brand and this label? These are mine. And you feel like, I'm like self, these are mine, like a child, right? Don't touch my socks. And I was always feel weird saying my, my, with your family, because everything should be shared, right? But no, this is an actual inconvenience. I'm like five minutes late every day. Because of this th- this thing, it doesn't matter. Give it three weeks, down to one pair, down to one pair, right? And then by the there's like I don't know where they go. They, do you guys recycle them? Do you throw them in the garbage? I go raiding different people's drawers in the house. No one, nothing's there. It's the weirdest thing. That's why I just say, halas. You know what? That's it. You're not gonna have have two namas. Two certain blessings don't come together. That's it.
Okay, what else do we have? Why do some scholars say that hiding one's good deeds is riya? That's not riya. Riya is to do a good deed hoping for others to reward you. And if you fear riya, you sh and you're in a group, you should still do the ibadah and fight the riya rather than not do the riya. But I, d I don't know, maybe you can expand on what they said because I don't understand. Uh, why would hiding your good deeds be riya? The malamatiyah, they, they wanted to make sure they have, that no one looks at them in any way, shape, or form that's, that, that's exemplary. So they come in the form of regular people. That's the acceptable manamatiyah. They come in the form of a regular Muslim. Neither doing the makruh nor leaving the sunan. But there's nothing impressive. No big turbans, no big thobes, no big speeches. It's a regular guy. The malamatiyah went astray when they started leaving off sunan mu'akkadah and starting doing the makruh in front of everyone like shaving their beards, um, raising their voices in the coffee shops, saying lewd jokes. You're astray now. That's not Malamatiya. You, you are deserving blame. Malamatiya is people who bring blame on themselves. So now you are a deserving blame. That's not our deen. Muhammad Uddin says, I was recently at NYU where you gave the lecture. You were asked a question about aqidah from an individual who was having trouble make up his mind. Your response that one could ask Allah to judge them. No, to guide them. I said that um, two things. On Aqidah, I told you what I personally and our organization is upon. The Aqidah of Imam al nawi and Ibn Hajar. Why on them? Because they faced the issues. They wrote all the, the, the books on the, the... They wrote their books after all these issues have come up. The issues may have not come up in the time of the Salaf. Right? The issues didn't come up in the time of the first three generations. So what the issues came up in the time of Nawi, and they were fully out there in the time of Ibn Hajar, who, who lived literally one generation in front of a Siyuti. Ibn Hajar is late. All the issues are there. Is And he was someone who the Ummah testified to his, his Fath al-Bari, Sharhan Bukhari. Okay? So that's where I'm going to take my Aqidah from, Nawi and Ibn Hajar, on new matters new questions that came up in Aqidah, okay? And that uh, that's essentially what the Ash'ari Maturidi schools are. So number number two, so go read them. Follow them. All right, we're not going to sit here and do ijtihad on the Masail of Aqidah. We're muqallids. Our ijtihad is who is the scholar most worthy of following. Someone comes to bring me evidence. Don't bring me evidence. I'm not a mujtahid. I'm not going to come and do an ijtihad and go down to the roots of the masail. I What I will do is I will tell you I'm not a mujtahid. I am a muqallid. And I hope to be a faqih because that's understanding the rulings and the reason behind the rulings of mujtahids. We should all be fuqaha. We should elevate from muqallid to faqih. Faqih now, oh, I understand why Nawawi said this. I understand what he said and I understand why he said it. And I can now furnish to somebody else the evidence. Here is the evidence of why Ibn Hajar said this. Why in Nawawi said this. Okay. But that dua for the brother is, um, for Muhammad al-Din is, 
اللهم أرني الحق حقا وارزقني اتباعه وأرني الباطل باطلا 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 وارزقني اجتنابه Oh Allah guide me I think he, he I think he meant guide not judge guide me to the truth and give me the tawfiq to follow it guide me to what is false to falsehood uh, uh, or or show me falsehood as false and give me the tawfiq to avoid it that's what you need to do okay I hope that makes sense all right I want to stay on the fence on aqidah issues, but is it even viable to do so in subjects where one must pick a side such as kalam? So Muhammaduddin, you can stay on the fence on matters of aqidah as long as you do not become talib ilm and you do not plan to teach this matter at any advanced level. At that point, you must choose and must understand. Muhammaduddin, you don't need to actually come to a conclusion yourself what you need to do is assess which scholars in our history are most worthy of following okay is anyone who says here let me wipe your slate clean and put it inside of it in your mind the aqidah of imam and nawawi and then you can go face allah will you take it or will you take your own judgments and go face allah i will present myself in front of allah take all of my aqidah pour it out put in the aqidah of imam and nawawi Imam Ibn Hajar al-Asqalani, Imam al-Siyulti, any day of the week. And someone says, well, why not go back to the Sahaba? Because the Sahaba had not faced these questions. These are, these are nawazil, questions that came up after the Mu'tazila came in, the Khawarija came, the Ismailis came, all these groups came about. Then these questions have to be answered. The fitna of the Sahaba was the fitna of the Mushrikeen trying to literally kill them. Right? That was the fitna. And being the first generation to accept a new prophet. No precedent. Nobody could say, my father followed it, my grandfather followed it. Right? I'm on the path of my grandparents. They were righteous, good people. I'm on their path. I'll die upon what they died upon. No, they had none of that. That was their test. Then every generation gets tested in masail ilmiyyah, in, in questions of knowledge, be it in fiqh, in greater questions, in aqidah. There were questions being asked in the third generation that were not asked in the second. Question in the fifth that were not asked in the fourth. So on and so forth. Okay, On matters of aqidah. So that's why. And then pretty much that at a certain point these questions were exhausted. Right? At a certain point there's, there's no, new more, no new questions. So by the time of Ibn Hajar and Fakhr al-Razi and Siyulti and Nawawi these the questions have been answered. Right? So... Those are the ones who I'm going to go down that road. And I want to be a faqih by studying exactly what they said and their evidences for it. That's a faqih. That's the difference between mujtahid is the one who can go into the book and the sunnah and come up with the answers himself. Then there's the muqallid. He's complete zero. And he says, I, I don't know anything. I'll just follow. You. I know la ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah. You can't make taqlid on that. But this sheikh, that's my sheikh. Okay, my heart is, is content with him and feels at peace with him, I'll follow him. That's a muqallid. Now the, the muqallid now can go up to the level and say, Shaykh, educate me. Tell me why you said this. What did you say? Now you're a faqih. So we should all be fuqaha. Who's asking? Okay, read it to me, please. 
Iltizam. Okay, let me just answer Muhammad al-Din first. Uh, it seems to me that whether I abstain or use kalam, it is similar to picking aqidah since either course would affect my aqidah. Let me tell you this. Dr. Hatim al-Hajj said, we are in dire need for kalam. You live among atheists. You live among atheists. How are you going to go living life without any kalam? You have to answer these people. A farmer cannot own a weapon his entire life. I bet you most of my grandfathers in, in the farmlands of Egypt never once owned a shield or a weapon or anything of the sort. They owned the pickaxes. No one came in. They didn't even have locks on the doors. For generations on end, I bet you. And India, same thing, right? For generations, they never had. But you now move to Jersey City. You better have a lock. You better have a knife. You better have something to protect yourself with. So for generations, we did not need this. But you live amongst atheists. You, we need this to protect our amen. Otherwise, you're fighting. An atheist brings you a question. What are you going to say? No, no, I don't use my intellect. No. You have to answer him, right? You have to answer. That's why I'm of the proponent on the school of thought that every heresy must be answered. Not by everyone, by at least some members of the community. Bring it out in the open and answer it. Let me give you uh, this. There's a, there's a Christian Arab who said, Muslims are reading a Quran that is not from the Prophet ﷺ. There are three extra surahs in the Quran. I'm like, what? What is this guy talking about? He says, the Prophet ﷺ said, take your, the, learn the Quran from, and he listed four people, amongst them Abdullah bin Mas'ud. Then he said, the Mus'haf of Abdullah bin Mas'ud has 111 surahs. He does not have Fatiha and the Mu'awwidatayn. So therefore, that's the actual Qur'an. First of all, the Prophet ﷺ said, learn the Qur'an from four people in that one hadith. And he said others in other hadith. Why are you only picking one and looking at his mushaf? Number two, that's the first accusation. Number two, the structure of your argument. This Rob Christian guy. Where did you learn that Abdullah bin Mas'ud, his mushaf, only had 111 surahs? Our books of tafsir, right? We preserved it for you. Okay? You think that it's, if it was a cover-up, they would preserve it? That's number two. Number three, where did you assume that his mushaf is what he believed to be the Qur'an? No. If I have a notebook, is that my knowledge? No, that's just some notes that I took. The mushaf of Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, what he wrote down, is not what he believed to be the totality of the Qur'an. What's the proof? The proof is that he transmitted those surahs, all of the asanid of the mushaf that we have here, all that go back to Abdullah bin Mas'ud, include in it Fatiha, Falaq, and Nas. So the oral transmission of Abdullah bin Mas'ud is more important than his written book. Sayyidina Ali had a book of, of had the Qur'an in the order of revelation. Right? Does that mean that that's what he believed the Qur'an to be? No. So what they wrote was not what they believed to be the final say in the Quran. No, it was like for ease, for efficiency, for whatever reason. My notes is not my, my all of my knowledge. It's just that note at that time, right? So what when they decided we must have a book that conforms to what we hold to be the Quran, that was the Mus'haf of Uthman. 
And Abdullah bin Mas'ud lived decades with that book. He never objected once. He never once objected to the Mus'haf of Uthman. So the point being here is that if you're in Muhammad ad-Din, if you're living in our world and you're living amongst people and you're a New Yorker and you're dealing with people, there, there's two way routes you can go. Either don't talk about the deen ever, right? Just teach Quran and fiqh maybe, which is deen of course, but like theology, don't talk about theology ever. Or talk about theology, now let's answer everything. Let's not leave a single atheist question. And that's not for the students. That's for people who, have some, who are advanced, meaning they're stabilized, they've read books, they have access to shiuch. If you do this as a student, you can get messed up because you don't have access. I can pick up on my phone right now and dial 10 phone numbers. One sheikh is going to answer the phone, right? Because they know me, right? They're going to cure my ignorance. You as a young student may not have that access. Being able to call the shiuch is more important than having a lot of books. You don't know where to find the answers in the books. The sheikh will say, go to this book, volume 5, chapter 6, all right, three paragraphs down. Well, if you have the uh, Darul Fikr publication, it'll be on the third page, or on the left page. They'll know exactly where it is. And I have seen this. I'm not joking with you. Sheikh Abdurrahman, son of Murabit al-Hajj. I was in his house in Spain when he used to live in Granada. And he, his, his living room was a library wall. All four, four walls were covered with books. And he said, oh, mashallah, are you coming from America? He said, let me show you something neat. And then he called his son. Then he said, go to that book, that volume, open it up to this page. He brought it, and he had a letter in the book from King George to the Andalusian Sultan, Amir of Andalus, saying, I'm sending you my daughter. Please educate her, take care of her, etc. A letter, he had that. And he knew exactly what book it was, what volume it was, what page it was. Within less than a Google search, faster than a Google search, his son had bought it for him. Okay. Uh, Muhammad al-Din, whether it's you or it's me, Allahumma arina al-haqqa haqqan wa rizuqna attiba'a wa arina al-baatila baatila wa rizuqna ijtinaba. Who were the greatest protectors of Islam? Was it not Nur al-Din al-Zinki? Was it not Salah al-Din Ayyubi? Was it not Muhammad al-Fatih? Was it not Irturul and, and, and uh, Osman? Okay. Who set up the Ottoman Empire? Was it not the Mughal Empire in India? Okay. Who defended Ahl sunnah from the Safavids of, of Persia? Both the Mughals and the Ottomans kept the Safavids in corn, at, at bay. Who knocked out the Crusaders? Who pushed the Crusaders out of uh, Spain? When the Reconquista was centuries, right? They were coming for centuries. They're knocking on the door. Who pushed them the first time? Who pushed them the second time? The answer to all of these is Ash'aris and Maturidis. Can you please show me one time when Ethides, and this is not to say that this is not a true Aqidah, show me one time I'm not even saying Ethides. Not even say Wahhabis or Salafis. Hanbalis or Ethides. One army of Hanabila that rescued the Ummah. And that's not a knock because they just didn't rule. That's it. They just didn't rule. That's not a knock on them. 
but it's also not equal. One has the ability to answer the atheists and the kuffar, and the other has said, we're not entering the realm of kalam. Okay? You are pure as you are, but you, keep, you don't have teeth. Without kalam, you do not have teeth. You can't fight. There are many pure people who they can't defend you. He's pure in himself. So the, the Hanbali is pure in itself. I don't know about the latest form of, of the Najdi Da'wah and their Aqidah. That is not what we're talking about. Okay. Imperial Japan, if you commit the most heinous sins, major sins, except shirk, can I still go to heaven? The answer is yes. But the answer is there's a difference okay, between whether you make tawbah or you don't. If you make tawbah, then yes, your path is, inshallah will be easier. If you don't make tawbah, then you will need, it is whether Allah wishes to forgive you or not. And if he does not forgive you, but you still went to, to hellfire with all those sins and tawheed, eventually you will be brought out of Jahannam. Eventually. But it may take a long time. So don't take the risk and make tawbah. Is it more beneficial to ask something from Allah with tawassul than without tawassul? With tawassul. And dua itself is tawassul. You're saying, Ya Allah is tawassul. Right? It's a means. I've read that if you're already engaged in a good deed, but somebody walks in while you're performing it, to then abandon that deed is riya. Yes, to abandon that deed is not riya, it's the victory of shaitan. If you do it for that person, it's riya. If you abandon it for that person, it's victory of shaitan. Moab says, isn't it permissible to wear shoes or slippers in the haramein as long as there is no najasa? Some cite Allah telling Musa to take his shoes off. Uh, it is permissible to wear shoes in the haramein. I've seen it and many people do it, especially now those um, second floor tawaf. That second floor tawaf may take you an hour and 25 minutes. may take you an hour. You, you can wear shoes there. Where is uh, Tahira's question that we ignored? Hey, uh, Omar, are you, you got the stream open? Can you find it for me, please? Because she said I, I didn't answer her questions. Tahira Omran, I believe her name is. Yes, the Prophet ﷺ will visit every level of Jannah. Learning Adab says, I've read that if you're already engaged in a good deed... Oh, we just answered that. M Moab... We answered that. Uh, Safa, we answered that. Sophia Surah Al-Baqarah is a protection from shayateen, 100%. Troubadour, do the Muslim jinn enter Jannah? Yes, they do. Or do they go to a place outside Jannah and are called the Sand Dune? No, this is not the movie Dune here. Uh, they do enter Jannah. I've never heard of anything called the Sand Dune. They enter Jannah and Jahannam. There is a Jahannam for them the fourth level according to some scholars and it's called Zamharir and it's made of ice Which one is this Zamharir the fourth lever, level of Jannah of, of, of Jahannam and it's made of ice it's a punishment of ice for the jinn that's what some scholars said yes Zamharir is mentioned in the Quran but that it's the fourth level is not, and that it's specifically for the jinn is not. That's from some other scholars' work that maybe they found, they have a hadith for that. Someone asked if 
Hijab is Nani Minadin Kitaruda, and if that if that ruling Okay, the, is hijab ma'lum min al-deen bil-darura? And can known in, ma'lum min al-deen bil-darura means known in religion by necessity, and can that change? It will not change for the majority Muslim lands. It will change for people who live outside Darul Islam. That's the best answer that I've heard to that question. That for those who are born and raised outside of Darul Islam, known in religion by necessity may change. But if you are in Darul Islam, Surrounded by Muslims, known in religion by necessity will not change. And for the question of hijab, is it known in religion by necessity? That is something that I heard two answers to. That it is and it is not. I heard both answers to that. So I don't. I can't give you one. Uh, I t tell you which one was stronger. Which simply is like the distinction is just is it a major sin for denying it or for denying it? Yes. Is it bid'ah? Are you an innovator for den if you know if you are given the evidence and you deny it, then you're an innovator. Yeah, you're an innovator. Would someone make takfir over that? Yes, probably some. But the majority that I've seen is that, that to be given the evidences of something like hijab and then to consciously reject that, then you're a mubtada. And it's a bid'ah, it's bid'ah mufassiqa. Right? This is not a light bid'ah that you're only an innovator in this. No, in you know. Because the evidences are very strong. And then anyway, who needs textual evidences? Did, what, did the Sahaba's wives walk around? Did the Tabi'een's wives walk around? Did the Tabi'een have moms? Did those moms go, buy, go to the date market and buy dates and, and buy milk and buy things? Right? It's not fathomable to imagine the whole city of Medina, the women stayed home all the time. What about the women of Kufa? What about the women, second generation Syria, Egypt? Did not those women of those scholars and those Sahaba and those Tabi'een Exit the house. Your mom exited the house. Your sister exited the house. Your wife later on exited the house. What are they wearing? Right? It's just, it's one of those transmitted. It's transmitted uh, generation after generation. Uh, Uga Panda, I got the guy who asked the questions contact while you were stuck in the elevator. Please tell me, his, send him my WhatsApp. Let him send me, and I'll, we can voice message back and forth. What should one add next to their prayers? Tasbih, tahajjud, while striving to maintain khushua in each of these. The first thing I would add to yourself is the awrad of the morning and the evening. And one hizb of Qur'an a day, which is at least like 10 pages, 3 pages, 2 pages, whatever you can do, but you stick to it, you never leave it off. I have heard that there are hundred stations in paradise. There are many. There are seven jannas, but within them are many stations. Many, many stations. State, many stations. Chocolate Walla. Have you seen Hadith GPT AI tool for generating a Hadith? No, I did not see it. Okay. Uh, quadruple M. Hey, um, Omar, what is she asking? Oh, she, you asked it just now. Okay. This is the book that we just read from today. I, I, I really love what I've seen so far in terms of as a publication. Of course, we know the book is a sound book of Aqidah. Easy to read. And we will be sharing little bits of Aqidah every day, inshallah. Or yani, regularly, I should say.
perform prayers of dirt on him? Dirt is not najis. You can pray with dirt. Good. Who asked that question? Arabic with Suhaid is asking, like, how or what is the point of studying when most people don't want to receive knowledge and they won't, you won't pass the knowledge down? I say to you about that is that you could change that. You can inspire people to want to learn. You can. You can inspire people to want to learn. So study for yourself, but also always keep an eye on passing it on. That will help you also determine what knowledge is beneficial to be passed on and what's not. Okay. So, um, the Prophet ﷺ also said, studying one matter of knowledge is better than praying 70 rakas, even if that knowledge is not acted upon. So whether or not that knowledge is acted upon or not acted upon, it doesn't matter. Right. So, we need to study. Certain things must always be studied, and at least one person in the community, minimum, must have knowledge of all the masail of aqidah and all the masail of fiqh, abwab al fiqh, and tajweed, masail al tajweed, right? Ahkam al tajweed, that's a fard kifaya. And then it's up to him to inspire people to study from him. And we're saying this as a faqih, not as a mujtahid. It's no more mujtahid mutlaq. Sister's question should be. Asked should be answered first. Where, so where's Tahira's question that we didn't answer? We answered, we answered it. Alhamdulillah, good. What 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 says is bay'ah and how does it work? Oh, bay'ah. That's not something for our level. Bay'ah is something where there is a murshid and you trust him and he says he will guide you to the path of Allah and you commit to obeying him. That's the summary of it. Maham Masood being in Muqallid is no good. No, why, why we shouldn't? We should be fuqaha. The faqih is someone who studies the ijtihads and the conclusions of the mujtahids. And, and, and with or without their evidences, but try with their evidences so that you could transmit and you just say, you can be on the truth. Which way, is, which way is the restaurant? It's that way. Really? How do you know? I don't know because the person in front of me said so. You may be 100% correct, but no one was convinced. No intelligent person will listen to you. But say, no, it's that way because here's the evidence. And if you want to see who before me came up with this evidence, here it is. Imam so-and-so, who the ummah entirely has accepted. Not, so you're not going on my brains and my judgment. You're not going on my istidlal. You're going an ijtihad. You're going on the ijtihad of so-and-so. But I can explain it to you. That's the concept. Stadiamatic says, Obeyed ibn, Ubaidullah ibn Jarrah converted to Christianity. It was not treated as an apostate. What? Ubaidullah ibn Jarrah never converted out of Islam. What are you saying? Can you, someone look up, like, was there a rumor that someone's spreading around? Or Ubaidullah ibn Jarrah converted to Christianity. Oh, they, they, they fixed it. Yeah. Yes. Is it, is it uh, what's the name of the person? 
Stadia Mac. Yeah. No, he wasn't apostate. Maybe because he wasn't killed, maybe, because they didn't have authority. That's why. But he's an apostate. Do you ever see, have, hear us saying, radiallahu an? Right? Muhammad Muddassir, on a previous live stream, you mentioned that a person can use a ruling of another madhab, but scholars like Qurtubi said that it's completely wrong. No, you can use a ruling from another madhab if there is a need, if there is a reason. Okay? If there is a haraj, a hardship, or a darura. A haja or a darura. Hardship, haja, darura. Hardship, dire need, life and death. That's the order of these three phrases. Write this down on the side of your notes. Haraj, haja, darura. Hardship, dire need, life and death. When are we going to do another show on Tasawuf on Maliki Clicks channel? We can do it soon, inshallah, maybe before Ramadan. Sigestu says, gaining knowledge in these times is like being freed from the shackles of ignorance. I totally agree. And gaining knowledge is not easy. Okay, That's why the best way, my preferred way of gaining knowledge is not through a sprint. It's through weaving it into everyday life. That was a whole purpose of this podcast. How do you have a, a, a general sit down and chit chat that's not heavy? It's not like attending a class, but we're learning something. And that's the idea of the Sphina Society podcast, which started off as Sphina Society podcast. Then some brothers moved away, and now it's the Nothing But Facts live stream. Okay. Everyone, I highly recommend you start fasting in Shaban so that your body is so in the mode in Ramadan that you move in without question. You enter Ramadan without question. I guarantee you have the best Ramadan ever. Okay. Does reading a few pages of Tafsir al-Sa'di count as a Hizb of Quran? When they say Hizb of Quran, they, what they really mean is tilawa, recitation, not study. Of course, study is great, but Tafsir is better. Uh, 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 recitation is what they mean by when they say Hizb al-Quran. And as for Tafsir, I would recommend, if you're reading Arabic, I would recommend you read Bakawi's Tafsir. Baghawi's tafsir. If you read Arabic, then Baghawi's tafsir. Where do we start learning Arabic, says Myra Khan. I would recommend going to arcview.org. And we have classes there. And Monday is Hanafi Fiqh Day. Okay? I would highly recommend you go to arcview.org. Watch all of our pre-recorded Arabic lessons. Muhammad Mudarsa says, I, I meant Imam Nawi and Imam Sanusi. Okay, what, uh, I have to go back to see what he meant by that. Um, oh, Nawawi uh, and Sanusi said that, yes. Well, there, the answer to that is that you can go to another madhab if there is a darura or a haja and sometimes even a haraj, a hardship. Stadia Mac says, Ubaidullah ibn Jahsh, he converted to Christianity. Um, Firstly, I don't remember. He was a muhajir, yet he, uh, and he converted to Christianity. Okay, I can't remember what his name was. But if he was not executed, it was either because the Prophet did not yet have authority over him or that he did not spread it, but he is an apostate. When you're a Muslim and you become a Christian, we call that an apostate. 
I'd have to look exactly what she's talking about, the details, inshallah. Are the Taliban true represent representatives of Islam? I can't say that they're kafirs. Are they the represent? I can't say they're innovators either. Right? They are upon the Hanafi school. They are Diobandis on the Hanafi school. And are they um, like? Are they going to be the best example to whom? Are they the best example to this, the, a woman in Whole Foods? No, right? Um, <laughs> no, uh, they're not going to. But that doesn't necessarily mean what that they're uh, they're in their deen, not Muslims. No, they are Muslims. They may have policies. We read their policy and I told you this was nonsense, that they got everyone excited for girls' schools, then they shut their schools down on the first day of school. That is a, it could be a mistake, it could be a misguided error, it could be terrible planning, terrible management, it could be all that. It does not take away from them being Muslims, right? So, yeah, there, someone could be a Sunni Muslim, but you feel that they're not good for da'wah, for your people, okay? Hey, they may be very good for some other people whose lives were miserable before they came along and put some law and order there, right? So relative to you, this live stream may not be good dawah for someone, uh, someone, someone's family who's, I don't know, soft or something, from California or something. Or, I don't know, Just I'm just throwing stuff out there as an example. Not, not every good, righteous Sunni teaching, its expression, will be palatable dawah to somebody else. You can't please everyone all the time. All right. And for sure, if I'm going to the local library and I want to teach someone about Islam, a Taliban video is not what I'm going to put up. Right? That doesn't take away the fact that they're um, practicing Muslims. Taliban, I think they're going to bring down crime. I've seen them lash people, right? I've seen it. Oh, by the way, those lashes don't even hurt. I'll take that as a massage on my back. Some of those lashes, I don't see it hurts, right? I don't think it hurts. It's more like, oh, I'm, I'm getting spanked in public. It's embarrassing more than anything else, right? And it creates a so association, like this embarrassing bad thing happened when I committed this crime of, whatever it was, selling maybe marijuana or selling some, or doing something like that. But, what was so special, says SH, about the forbidden tree? If it really wasn't, does this support the God command theory? I don't know about the God command theory. Uh, we don't really have theories in our deen. We have certain knowledge. And Iblis fooled Adam and Hawa and said, if you, if you eat from this tree, you'll live here forever. you live in paradise forever. And that's why he fooled them. And they thought, they did not know that anyone could lie in paradise. They, they thought he's telling the truth. So they thought it's mansukh, and now it's halal to eat for us. Time check. How should we divide up time reading Qur'an and Tafsir? The Qur'an should be recited daily and the Tafsir can be read one or two times or three times during the week. But the daily should be the recitation of Qur'an. He ab Yes, so this, so she's saying Ubaidullah ibn Jahsh is the one who went to 
Abyssinia. Okay, so the Prophet did not have any control over him in Abyssinia. Okay. So guess who says, stop praising them. We're going to be put on a watch list. Bro, did you see that, that video in the hood that the guy stole? Uh, a kid was caught trying to break into a car. And a bunch of guys came around him. One guy held him. One guy held him, like uh, pinned him, uh, uh, or held, held his hands. While the other guy lashed his re-rent with, with the belt. Like a spanking, right? <laughs> it was so funny seeing this kid jump and wiggle every time he got lashed, right? And they were sort of like taunting him too. Oh, I bet you're never going to steal again. I bet you he won't steal again. In that neighborhood, right? No, they lit it. Broad daylight. Took the guy, took the belt off. One guy held his hands, right? Held his arms. And the other guy, they took it off Twitter, by the way. I should have uh, screenshotted it, right? Screen grabbed it. And they lashed again. They threw him on the ground. And they taunted him. Like, you, you're never going to steal again. He's not going to steal again. He walked away limping. He will never steal again. It's something that y your skin feels. It registers. It becomes like... Uh, something you'll never forget. I remember reading an academic article how the Taliban had implemented a faster, fastest ever drug control policy around the world. I'm not surprised, says Chocolate Walla. Okay, and we're going to answer. First, the Haq Knight says, when it comes to the attributes of Allah, how will Allah determine whether someone is not in the fold of Islam since people have different levels of knowledge and intellect? Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will judge them he, he, he's capable of, of knowing exactly what they knew what they had access to and what they understood and what they willfully chose to believe I'm currently doing alamiyah says debates but I don't feel ready to teach despite teachers saying otherwise how do I one begin to teach well you start with the very basic teach a child how to make wudu Teach a child sirah, then move up to a teenager, so on and so forth. And you may, you may make mistakes in your delivery, in how much you say at one time. You'll see those mistakes by seeing that the kid is zoned out or the kid is responding by the actions. You'll see if you're getting good at it or not. I'm sure every teacher went through the same thing. The first lesson is not going to be like 30 years in. Okay. Luzum and iltizam. What's the question on Luzum and iltizam? Luzum and iltizam is as follows. Okay, it's as follows. Certain things by necessity mean other things. That's Luzum. And certain things could mean other things. Let me give you an example. Okay. If I, if I, it's now. He just, brother just told you it's 2.53 o'clock p.m. And I put a morsel of food in my mouth. By necessity, I'm not fasting. Okay? By necessity, I'm not fasting. Okay? If I'm reading from this book here, and I'm putting it up, by necessity, I am believing in what is in Al-Bidayafi Usul al-Din. Accepting it. Okay? That's an example of luzum. If a person willfully, he's got two arms and two legs and he's at full will and he puts a cross around his neck 
Luzuman, he has rejected Islam. He's accepted another religion. Nobody told you, nobody forced you to do that, right? So certain things do by necessity mean certain things. Let me give you an example where they don't. Someone tapping their foot when a song is playing. And the lyrics of the song is a Christian beat. That does not mean he's accepted Christianity or he supports those lyrics. He may not even know what the lyrics are. It may be just a reaction to the beat. That's an example where it would not be kufr. Okay? Someone going to a pride parade, putting a flag on their back and dancing. You are saying this is a good way of life. Therefore, the Quran is wrong. That's kufr. Right? These, that's an example of how kufr is not just saying, I don't believe in Allah. Kufr could be many other things. Okay? Iblis never said he didn't believe in Allah. He affirmed his belief in Allah. Okay? But he did not accept God's will. He did not submit to Allah Ta'ala. So that's where kufr is much more than simply not believing in Allah. I hope that answers her question. Yeah, that's on the topic of Luzum. In your opinion, should there be a level of censorship when it comes to knowledge, such as knowledge that can cause doubt within the Ummah? This is a question from Sagestu. 1,000% there should be. And that is the philosophy of Imam Malik ibn Anas. And he said, only a fool repeats everything he hears to the people. Right? Yes, you should. You do censor things that will cause doubts. Okay, But we do not have a permanent censorship in that sense. You may censor a child from things that would confuse him. This, uh, if you're teaching someone how to pray, you don't say, in the Hanafi school, no, this is how to pray. That's it. That's it. How do we pray? This is Islam and that's how to pray. How a Muslim prays. Later, if he says, well, why is he not doing that? Then you say, okay, there's something called madhabs. Later on, as the intellect grows, you can add more to it. But a child of Nikola, you want to confuse them, right? So yes, you definitely do. Is it all online? Not yet, but maybe just yeah, people have Okay, so uh, March 11th, Hadith Intensive. I don't see why we can't do it online, right? We can do it online. Maybe, yeah. yeah. Hadith Intensive, and this will be a part of supporting Darul Fatih. Sheikh Isam Eid will do a, a Hadith Intensive here at MBIC from 9 a.m. to about 4 p.m. All right. On not narration of Hadith, but on the dirayat al-hadith. Hadith is between riwaya and diraya. Diraya is the actual mechanism behind the takhrij of a hadith, which is what is sahih, what is hasan, what is da'if, what makes it sahih, what makes it da'if, so on and so forth. Okay. If you're in an adult environment and we're all adults and we all understand things, name your madhab. There is no such thing as general Islam. We are today teaching XYZ subjects on the Hanafi. Now, if you're a general public, like family night, you don't mention madhabs, except rarely. General public, you don't need to mention madhabs. Not only, it's not going to confuse them like they're going to be confused about their Islam. No, they're not going to know what you're talking about, right? So it's not a, as a persuasive method. You just complicated everything. 
Uh, Imperial Japan, the last two verses of Surah Al-Baqarah. Yes, we recite it every night. Every night before we sleep. And it has in it many protections. And the Prophet wasallam says that they are a gift given to him specifically from under the throne. It was given to him in the Mi'raj. Okay. Qasid al-Burda. Why do people say it's shirk? Nobody says it's shirk except Wahhabis. They don't count. Um, no, but to answer their question, um, the, yeah, they did have some comments on some lines, and those lines have explanations, but I don't have exactly the critique and the response to the critique. I mean, Ibn Hajar. Uh, on, yes. And what do they say? Women, ilmihi qalam. Yeah, that's a contention. That, but I mean, it, that line of poetry that the Prophet has knowledge of the lower does not say knowledge of every single thing of the lower. There's knowledge of the lower, right? Did not the Prophet ﷺ say, "I felt I I was asked what is the debate of the highest angels," and I asked my I said to my Lord, "I have no knowledge," and he asked me three times. Then I felt a coolness between my backs, my on my back, and the knowledge of the heavens and the earth entered my chest. Knowledge of the heavens and earth enters chest, right? It means he has knowledge of. We say only Allah Taala knows everything. Imam Al-Haddad says only Allah knows everything. Then the Prophet ﷺ knows the next. Uh, more than any other creation than all the prophets and the awliya may know one or two things of ilm al-ghayb right they may have some ilm al-ghayb right of course because Allah can give someone a mukashifa how do you establish khilafa worldwide no we're far from that like we're not even close I just ask a Muslim to establish Islam in his home first Forgot Khilafah in another country. Bani Thaqif were allowed to pray less than five times a day and not go out to jihad. Yes, the Prophet said, okay, he accepted that. They entered Islam, but they didn't practice that. They did pray five times a day and they did go out for jihad. Ash'ari engineer. He wrote an article on Facebook or Twitter explaining what happened and if I'm not wrong, stating that he didn't know what he did meant. What? It must be talking to someone else. Huh? On what? Oh, they're talking about that Omar Suleiman, he went out and they gave him a cup of water and they said spill it. And he didn't even, who the heck knows what that stuff even means? No one knew at that time. Right? So sometimes you go to these things and it's for a good intention and they, they're doing some weird thing and you get caught up into it. We can give Husna Dhan to somebody like that what's wrong with giving husnadan of course is it wrong yeah of course there's some libation ritual no don't give me any rituals from any other religions that's our policy i don't care what it is we're not doing it right if it's from another religion it may be in in the sin or not doesn't matter but uh i would have husnadan with him that he simply had no clue what it was give him a cup of water and everyone's spilling it who knows what this some kind of symbol so we can give people Hasnadan for getting caught off guard for that thing. Um Maryam, family member destroying their deen. SubhanAllah, it's very draining. 
They don't want to hear your nasiha. They don't want to talk. They want to be blind to it. Um, Umm Maryam, you have nothing you have uh, to do uh, in the daytime with this person. What you have to do is in the night, which is a dua for tahajjud. That's really what you need. Dua at tahajjud time. Because some people, they're gone. There's no chasing them. There's no pulling them back. But that's now. You never know in three years what's going to happen. So dua in tahajjud. That's it. You, you you cannot chase people and hunt them down. Make dua for them, be a good example in yourself, and let time pass. People change. Uh, Troubadour gives another example. Khidr. Was he not given knowledge of the unseen? He was. Abu Bakr Siddiq. He had na- ilm al-ghayb. Yes. Allah Ta'ala. Uh, he, he knew he had firasa that he didn't have a, new daughter, have a daughter. This is a very famous hadith. On his deathbed, he told Aisha... Your two sisters. She said, I only have one sister. Said, your, your mother is pregnant uh, with another one. Okay. Umar ibn Khattab, did not he not see Sariya at the mountain? And he said, Ya Sariya al-Jabal. Famous hadith. That was in Persia and he was in Medina. What does the Madiki Madhab say about ta'weed? You may wear one. Many Turks still have ta'weed. But you, you must know what's in it. You mu- you, it's permissible to wear. As an adult or a child, ta'weed, wrapped in leather, but it is Al-Quran with dua, with dhikr. Not pyramids, upside down pyramids, hieroglyphics, Hebrew, Syriac, numerology, jinn, none of that is allowed. You must know what's in there. And it must be nothing other than the straight ta'weed in the Quran and the Sunnah. That's it. M.M. Mukashafa is... Min al-ghayb. Yes, mukashafat are ghaybiyat. What is dream interpretation? What is it, false now? No, it's true. A sound interpretation of a dream will occur, said the Prophet So that's knowledge of the future and the unseen. right? But is there's no amal based upon it. You can't go act upon it. Right. It's not like Quran and Hadith, knowledge of the unseen, where you can act upon it. Right. In other words, you cannot t- preach it, you cannot go say it on the mimbar, you cannot treat it as if it's qat'i knowledge. Right. So the, the amal upon it is different. All right, we have to stop here, unfortunately. What is your, Rahma Ibrahim says, what is your opinion to the Abraham, on the Abrahamic house built in Abu Dhabi that seeks to create a new religion? And in the same vein, what about the some shiuch promoting this as interfaith talk? Now, I'm not into any of this, to be quite honest with you. No, I'm, I'm not into any of this funny business, to be quite honest with you. I don't know which shiuch are supporting this, but as you called it, a new religion, uh, we're all buddies. No, we're not all buddies. I don't want to be with your brand. The brand of Jews and Christians. That's why Europe went atheists. I don't want anything to do with that brand of religion. That brand of religion is what led to Christianity. Christianity is what led to atheism. One step at a time. right? It's the errors and the flaws therein that have led Europe to become atheists. Firstly, the errors, the, the flaws of the Catholic uh, Church is what caused Martin Luther to start a new branch. That branch that he created, Protestantism, was so dry it produced atheists. And their concept of God is completely different, right? The concept of God is completely different. We have tenzih. God is not made of matter. 
does not enter into his creation. The Jews and Christians, they're complete mujassima. Okay. Anthropomorphism, where God enters into the creation, enters into whether it's Jesus, however you want to interpret that, or he's in the universe, essentially. He's this complete tajseem. So I don't want to put Islam next to any of these other brands of religions. Ladies and gentlemen, I think it's a political cover for Zionism. That's what I think. It's like a religious cover for Zionism. For Zionism to enter the Islamic world. Uh, the, the Arab Peninsula. Must we make hijrah? It's probably better to make hijrah if you have no reason to be here. Muhammad Karim, safinasidi.org slash wird, lowercase w-i-r-d. But to be quite honest with you, um, it's probably better for everybody to, it's probably better if you have no business here, if you have no family here, make hijrah. If I was to make hijrah, where would I make hijrah? I would find myself a beautiful apartment next to a masjid. No, Beit Arabi. You know those those are Arab houses in Morocco? Those gorgeous houses? Right on the water of Tangiers. Right next to a masjid. Okay. And I want a job in the masjid too. I want like an official role in the masjid that would force me to be there. And and then a studio. So we can keep doing this. Okay. سبحانك الله وبحمدك نشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت نستغفرك ونتوب إليك والعصر إن الإنسان لفي خسر إلا الذين آمنوا من الصالحات وتواصوا بالحق وتواصوا بالصبر والسلام